All right, everyone, welcome back to another episode of Let's Talk Life podcast. Welcome back, folks. We're in a new time. New time, new president. This is our post-election episode. Yeah. This has been this has been a long time coming this episode. Oh yeah. Like about approximately 4 years. <laughs> Just under 4 <laughs> years. We were thinking about this episode before we even had a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> That's oh how my god. That's the best way to put it. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um okay. So for those of you just tuning in, my name is Angela. My name is Jackie. Um, and today we're going to talk about, like we said, the election. Um, a few things. Our reaction, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, changes that we've seen mm-hmm. or not seen. Right. We'll get into that. Um, Biden's history, Kamala's history. And our, our hopes, yeah, for the next four for their years. presidency, yeah. for their administration. All right. So, where where were you when you found out? Hmm. Oh, um, I was in my bedroom. I was. <laughs> I had been watching. I mean, uh, on and off. I had been watching. You know, the news since Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this was Saturday. So that's a lot of days of just straight you know, flipping on CNN and checking out MSNBC and NBC and just watching the results creeping in, creeping quite literally, just so (laughs) slowly. And it was about like, I don't know, 1130 Saturday. And I just was going to, you know, put on some Netflix, paint my nails, open my laptop and my homepage is the New York Times. And I saw their electoral college count. And finally, I just <laughs> saw that the number was above, was above 270 for, for Joe. And I, I, I just immediately exclaimed. <laughs> and I just, like, ran into the hallway, my upstairs hallway, and shouted into my brother's room, like, he won! <laughs> and then I ran down the stairs shouting, he won, he won! Oh my god! It was I. I immediately felt um, excitement. Immediately. Yeah, I can say the same. I'm I'm reliving the emotions as you're talking about it. Yeah. I was so giddy. I was um, in my living room, and same here. I was watching the news just nonstop, which is terrible for my brain. I think I was just having migraines that entire uh, stretch of time. Um, And I was at work, you know, most days too, just kind of like checking on my phone whenever I had a free moment. Um, Just refreshing that electoral college. Yes, just live updates from the Times. Um, And I remember... Uh, on Saturday, looking up from my phone, I don't. I was probably just like dilly dallying. Looked up, and it said President Elect Joe Whoa. Biden with a check mark, and I was like, "No, wait, is this real? Like, right. did they just call it? Did I just like what just happened?" And um, and I literally just jumped for joy and started yeah started screaming. And I got a call from actually I texted a family member. And she called me, like, 
crying in tears out of just joy, like a massive sigh of relief, I think. I think it is um, pretty incredible the physical reaction that so many people had. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, I mean, Joe Biden was no was really honestly I, I nobody's first choice mm-hmm. initially. Like, if we're going back, okay, if you can imagine in the before times, right? Like in March, and and even before that, when there was like sixteen different people trying to become the Democratic candidate, um, you know, mm-hmm. I had several choices before Joe Biden, but it's incredible how you know, that still just a physical feeling of glee and relief. (laughs) And it really did feel like an exhale of the anxiety and fear that I clearly had been bottling up for so long for the entire presidency of Donald Trump. (laughs) 45. I don't even want to say 45. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, he who must not be named uh, for the Harry Potter fans yeah that's that is um, I think something that whether you are were truly a Biden fan from the start or you were maybe more of a liberal or mm, leftist um, we can all agree that the election results were a relief um, at the very least. I I agree. I think that is why people, I mean, we live in the suburbs, Mm -hmm. Angela and I, uh, (laughs) so there wasn't that huge rush out to the streets that you saw, you know, on television happening in more metropolitan cities. Happened in Montclair, but... Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that that's certainly a little more urban. That's that's heartening. Um yeah, definitely that was missing in our area. But we felt that for sure. <laughs> we did it ourselves. Um yes, we did it ourselves. <laughs> I I immediately, you know, I mean, in the flurry of texts between many friends, I texted Angela <laughs> and asked her if she wanted to go for a joy ride and and Joyride, we did. Boy, we did just we. were screaming and honking and shouting, driving through the streets. Um, I was just visibly on such a high all day. Mm-hmm. It, it, there was so much initial joy on that Saturday. Mm-hmm. How, how has your joy been since then? Let me just ask that. Um, <laughs> uh, it, it's, it hasn't been a sustained level of joy. I, for a couple of reasons, I mean, there's still, you know, almost half of the country that believes that the results aren't true and that the election was stolen um, people from 45's entourage saying that they're prepared for a second Trump administration, you know, they'll accept the results of that. That was, I, I feel like when Pompeo came out and said that, said, 
yes, there will be a smooth transition to a second Trump administration. Mm -hmm. I think that's when my anxiety came back. But like my presidential, my my political my uh, anxiety. Yeah. Um. Because that is a just an it seemed like an incredibly callous and just an alternate reality. Like what he said just shocked me, and and also the confidence with which he said it was yeah. was scary. And it still is. Um, the fact that Joe Biden has... Okay, let's look at the updated electoral college count, right? I think it's like 290. Joe Biden now has 290 electoral college votes mm-hmm. because he picked up you know, Georgia and Nevada... Donald Trump has 232. I mean, it's very clear. It's, it's, it's obviously very clear. Uh, and not even that's not even taking into consideration the popular vote, mm-hmm. which Joe Biden which obviously is even more clear. Landslide. Yeah. Um, and the sitting president has, in an unprecedented manner, refused to accept those results, which is... It's never unheard happened. Of? It's unheard of. There is no legal precedent for what he is doing. And so I think that has scared a lot of people. I've, I've definitely, I think Twitter is a resource in that it's a sounding board. Mm-hmm. Like it's a very good way to just scan a large number of opinions. And, you know, you can see a trend of, there was a shift you know, from Saturday to when we entered that next week and just the days that went by where Trump just refused to admit that he lost that, and now yeah. that's continued. And I think you can see, you know, definitely some of that anxiety has returned. Um, yeah, it's pretty frightening. That That takes away some of the joy of the moment for me. Yeah. But, as we've said, that is, there is no legal precedent for what he's doing, which means there's also no legal grounding for what he's doing, despite the many lawsuits that he has filed across the country. Um, Many of them have already failed and and look like they will. Um, Even in, in areas where, you know, recounts are being demanded, it's not expected that the recounts will change mm-hmm. the projection yeah. of, of any results. And I mean, I've also heard murmurs that no matter what he tries to do, what his flunkies try to do in between now and January 20th, once that day comes, the Secret Service is quite literally going to drag him out of the White House, <laughs> which I really would like. Oh, I would love to see. Yeah. So I hope somebody talk is, about entertainment and ratings. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, that would be a great introduction to his next uh, reality TV show. I feel like you should just <laughs> embrace it. Um, start filming now. Um, yeah. So that I, I do feel like okay. I'm I'm again cautiously optimistic as I was with 
when the votes were still being counted, I'm cautiously optimistic that he will leave office. Mm-hmm. Um, granted, he's certainly trying the best he can to yeah. fuck things up in the meantime. Yeah, he's he's going to do everything that he can try to do <laughs> um, between now and January to make lives harder, which is so annoying. I'm like, God, I can't wait till I never have to hear your name again. Um, but I think, I yeah, I, I mean, and there's also still the the Senate runoff races in Georgia, Absolutely. and that's that's also, uh, you know, where my joy uh, comes back down to reality a little bit to say that we're. It's not over yet. There's more. Uh, there's not. more work to do, Absolutely. and there there would be more work to do. Like regardless of what happens in Georgia, there's more work to do. Absolutely. Um, and I think, uh, yeah, I think my where my anxiety comes from now is: will this administration, this new administration, be able to do anything mm. in? the country that we're currently in, which is very, you know, it's not, it's uh, divided. It's a divided country. Um, I think, you know, okay. So I do think, you know, Joe Biden ultimately wound up being a good choice to be running against Donald Trump. I think he captured a lot of the moderate votes that we needed. You know, thank thank God. Thank God. Um, <laughs> yeah, and I think also he's just more, you know, like it or not, right? He's more palatable yeah. for the establishment in Washington as well, and also he's, you know, he's known by foreign leaders already. So even though he doesn't have access to like the daily press briefings, the I mean the daily security briefings, which again is unprecedented. You know, mm-hmm. he sh- you know usually the sitting president. Once the president-elect is chosen, immediately provides access to that information because it's it's critical to the security of the country. Um, but apparently, Joe Biden, you know, has you know hit the ground running trying to do everything he can already. Yeah. He's already tried to reach out to foreign leaders, which is you know honestly a very sort of bold, risky thing to do because usually a president is, has a, you know, the security briefing and also is briefed on what to expect from the conversation. I mean, it's like going into the biggest interview of your life, every <laughs> phone call, um, but with no Just blindly. briefing, like yeah. blindly, um, which is very, you know, very bold to, to do. And he's only able to do it because he has that history yeah. and those foundational relationships already. That's critical. I'm glad he has that. You know, it's important that we have a president who has that, given the obstruction that's going on. Right. But obviously, you know, and he's tried in his speeches, right, to say that he wants to unite the country, that, you know, now is the time we need to come together. He's certainly tried clearly he's trying to appeal to the people who didn't vote for him yeah but i think what we are seeing and another cause of the anxiety that you just alluded to is 
it seems like people are rejecting that open hand. You know, it seems like a lot of people who voted for Trump do not, still do not really trust the election results. They do not feel like the election was fair and they are not eager to meet Biden policies in the middle, it seems. I mean, I've seen comments on Facebook on certain candidates' pages where people have said they think New Jersey, which is where Angela and I currently are, they think, you know, the election in New Jersey certainly couldn't have gone that way because they're like, I know so many Republicans where they're tired of paying the high taxes. There's no way New Jersey would have gone blue. Okay, I just want to say, like, if you've actually done your research, though, New Jersey is a very blue state. Yeah. It's, it's it is a very liberal blue. state. <laughs> like, no matter whatever, like, wealthy communities exist within Bergen County, like, you're just right. a microcosm of of the state. So, yeah. um, I just think that is evidence that people are in these political silos, these conversational silos, and that's why it's so hard for them to believe that there are people who disagree with them. And that is not going to, you know, it's not going to help. It's not going to help us. I, I don't know how we could possibly, you know, try and heal these vast moral ideological divides. <laughs> it's yeah. a daunting task. Joe Biden is not like the dream scenario for let's say le- even left lefter yeah. leaning liberals um he's not Donald Trump ultimately yeah. he's not Donald Trump yeah and we need 45 out of office because we need faith in in science again we need faith in peer reviewed medical journals again mm-hmm. we need faith in our election system. Yeah. I mean it's democracies. It is very very <laughs> really destabilizing and right super dangerous when a country no longer has faith in its electoral process. I mean, this is a reason why our country has in the past gotten involved in other countries' elections because we felt that they were not being done properly. We've always been trying to push democratic mm-hmm. process on other nations. And now, so who's gonna ironically... Save us? Who's going to do it? <laughs> right. Who's going to come no here? There, I think people are looking at America and saying, wow, what a freaking mess. Like, you guys are honestly getting what has come. You've yeah. Been asking, like, karma. What, what come to you. Raging because, karma right now. I mean, a lot of people do, you know... Uh, have this like idealized version of America of its prosperity and advancement. But I think there's also a lot of global resentment against America because we are pushy. We can be pushy, certainly. Um, And (laughs) they are definitely, yeah, saying, wow, this is some karma for Mm -hmm. y'all right now. Yeah. Which I, I, you know, I think it's hard. It's hard to say, like, I think we deserve it, but... It is because, you know, <laughs> I think we needed to learn. Here, but... I think we needed to learn. And this is the most unfortunate way. 
like, just terrible. It's it's really um quite sad. Yeah. And embarrassing. Yeah. I, it's I've had a lot of conversations with people, um, Democrat and Republican um veterans who are mm. embarrassed to be a United States citizen. And I I'm like, yeah, man, I get it. <laughs> I, Absolutely. I anytime I see well I don't know. Let, let's see how um, how I feel about waving a United States flag like around my house or something. But I've avoided I've, the flag for a while. Yeah, I, I've never. Even it's it's come to symbolize a little bit that. of like a hmm. Like, are you too proud of this country right now? Like, why are you? Why are you so? Why are you so? Why are you wearing your I mean, USA gear? Fucking everywhere. Just, yeah, I mean it. But the thing is, okay, like, this speaks to the divide. Like, some people would listen to what you just said and be greatly offended. Hell yeah. They would say, well, what? You don't even deserve to be here. You don't love this country. This you is the greatest like country it, in the leave. world. <laughs> yeah. I think, you know, what these people are missing, what I would say at least, is what Angela and I believe is that two things can be true mm-hmm. at once. I can <laughs> love many things about living in the United States, Mm -hmm. but also have some deep criticisms about this country Mm -hmm. and deep concerns and, and believe that there's a lot of flaws. Um, And same thing about our president elect and, and our vice soon to be vice president. Um, I can be excited about the fact that there will be a Biden-Harris administration, but also, uh, you know, deeply um, skeptical yeah. about... That's what I was thinking as well, yeah. ...what they will actually be able to get done, and, and if they will move to get done what the people who got them elected want Mm -hmm. and who got them elected largely black voters, largely grassroots Southern activists. Shout out to Stacey Stacey Abrams, Abrams, baby. Uh, queen. You know, ever since, you know, her, uh, race for, the governor seat in Georgia when she just felt like there's clearly a problem with voter suppression in this state. Mm -hmm. And she has just been working fiercely ever since on the ground, hitting the pavement with other, um, you know, not as, uh, well-known organizers to register tens of thousands of hundreds of new voters in Georgia. And, I think, you know, other Southern states who have Democratic communities really need to look to what she did because it shows that there's more swing states than we think. I mean, Georgia is now viewed as a swing state. Mm -hmm. Who could have thought that? I mean, it was a guaranteed red in 2016 and... 
it's just because there was a large demographic of people who were not being reached out to Mm -hmm. and needed to know that their voices could be heard. Mm -hmm. And those people showed us the power of our minority communities and that, you know, obviously the normal congressional senatorial pathways, like outreach that was being done before was not inclusive enough, clearly. Yeah, definitely not. So I think that that's it. That was certainly a bright point. Silver lining for sure. And, and okay. So those are the people who, who really by large, by and large, you know, made the Biden Harris administration possible. Mm -hmm. So I would (laughs) really like to see within their administration, you know, policies that continue to, you know, beat back on disenfranchisement of these communities. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and there's, you know, there's cause for concern. Yeah, let's um, get into... Let's get some into Biden yeah, uh, history. Let's get in some of their history. <laughs> so obviously, history. right? I, I mean, if you didn't know, now you know. Biden is pretty old. Um, <laughs> yeah. Let's actually find out how how old he is. So I, like I'm 70, not sure if he is the oldest seventy six um, president you know ever elected. He's seventy seven years old. Um, once he's in at, on the day of his inauguration, he'll be 78. Ah, his birthday's coming up. Hey, it's Joe. November 20th. Hey. Um, what is he, a Sagittarius? Okay, Biden will be the oldest person to assume the U.S. presidency, surpassing Donald Trump's previous record of 70 years old. So he will be the oldest president. And that means, okay, you know, he's what 40, what 45 always calls him, like, a uh, career politician, which Trump hates, but he's now become a politician. Let's just be real about that. Really, my. Um, so he's been around a while. You know, he's not new, and and that yeah. means that he has a history. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has, you know, not always been the Joe Biden that we know now. Who, you know, there's this like iconic photo of him and Obama running. Uh, through the White House with the gay pride flag when <laughs> when um, like gay marriage first passed. Yeah, I I love that photo, but it's not the reality of who Joe Biden has always been. Right. Um. So let's just do a quick rehab. In 1991, uh, Anita Hill brought an allegation of sexual harassment against. Um, okay, yeah, it was Judge Thomas, Justice Thomas. Um, she, and, okay, Justice Thomas was also going to be the first, and is the first black man on the Supreme Court. So when she brought this allegation of sexual harassment against him, that, which she said, you know, she experienced when they, they used to work together, um, and then even when they did not work together, just uh, uh, continued his inappropriate behavior. And 
she was bold enough to, during, you know, his clearing process, his hearing process, she was bold enough to bring up this complaint. And, and it's not like she said this is 100% a reason for why he should not be sworn in to the Supreme Court, but she just believed in being transparent about who this man was. If you want him to be in a lifelong position on the highest judicial branch in our country, I think you should know this about him. Mm-hmm. Joe Biden was on the hearing committee uh, to approve Justice Thomas, and history shows that he did not really believe Anita Hill, um, that he asked you know, some questions that expressed immense incredulity to her story, to her motivations. And people have been critical um, of how he he acted mm-hmm. in that instance. Uh, in 1994, he wrote a crime bill, which people say, you know, was sort of the foundations for some of the mass incarceration in this country. Uh, in 1995, he wrote the Counterterrorism Act, which later became the Patriot Act. The Patriot Act is sort of what paved the way for, I guess, this uh, intense sort of surveillance of, of the American public, mm-hmm. some people would, would say, honestly. In 1996, he actually voted against gay marriage. I mean, <laughs> I have to say, 1996, really, time-wise, is not that long ago. Yeah. So, and, yeah, that's, um, that's something I, I, I'm, I, obviously, his stance has changed. His views have changed. Mm-hmm. But I think it's just important to know. It's just important to to know the full evolution of, of this person as a politician. Right. Um, that was in 1996. In 1999, he repealed the Glass-Steagall Act, which there are people believe that we should, should bring that back. Um, it has to do with morality within the banking industry, trying to um, improve things within the banking industry. Mm-hmm. In 2001, he voted for the Patriot Act, now, remember that the Patriot Act is based off of legislation he wrote in 1995 called the Counterterrorism Act. Um, I think, obviously, the motivations, right, maybe behind the Patriot Act, um, I mean, it's meant to be a counterterrorism effort. It's meant to surveil people we believe are a danger to this country um, obviously, now we know it, it actually is, is mass surveillance and, you know, does certainly rely on a certain amount of profiling. Mm-hmm. And also, I think a lot of Americans believe it's just in general sort of a breach of our rights, of rights to privacy. Yeah. I think it's kind of a common refrain among 
at least millennials that like we have no <laughs> privacy. Like we're always joking about the uh, FBI agent watching us through yeah, our laptop our camera. Phones. Like we just yeah. assume yeah, we are being listened to. Yeah. Uh, in 2002, who can forget? He voted for the Iraq war. I mean, I oh, guess yeah. you could technically say that war isn't going on right now, but like also technically it is. We still have thousands of troops in the Middle East and... What a mess that yeah. was. That is. In 2005, he voted to end bankruptcy protections for students. Ugh. God, I'm cringing. And in 2018, he presented George W. Bush with the Liberty Medal. That sort of depends on how much you hate George yeah. W. Bush. <laughs> but, like, because I think, you know, George W. Bush has benefited from a certain public image rehabilitation in recent years because you know I think people try to portray him as like just like funny and stupid but okay maybe he is funny and stupid but he also you know got us into this super long drawn out war in the Middle East to which the fruits are what I mean, what? Where's the benefits for senseless, us? Senseless. Um, little bit, little bit of a thing just to avenge his father, I believe. Mm. Um, so that's that's Joe Biden's full political history. Honestly, it's probably just a glance yeah. at um, some of the things he's voted on over the years. But I think, as a career politician. Honestly, I don't think it's that uncommon to see this sort of evolution. I think it's natural for your opinions to either change or to change because the electorate has changed. Like, clearly, he, he needed to adopt more liberal policies because the, you know, millennials, Gen Z, people who are coming of age to vote demand that. Right. Um, And obviously I don't have as detailed, I, I, not obviously, but I, I I don't have as detailed a description of Kamala Harris's uh, history, but I think listeners at least are aware of, how people describe her as like she's a cop coming into the White House. To yeah. be clear, she was never a cop, but she was a prosecutor. Yeah. And prosecutors put a lot of people in jail. And sometimes they are charged with enforcing laws that are unsavory. And in particular, what people always point out um, is is just her contribution to perhaps honestly putting more black men in jail than was necessary. I also found information about basically this uh, prison workers program that she supported, which apparently kept inmates in prison longer than their terms in order to get that labor from them. 
Yikes. Okay. Um, I mean, these are these are deep concerns, deep flaws. These are, yeah. you know, not policies that super left liberals want. But I think because it is really leftist policies, and I, I even hate this terminology, but it's, it's the more liberal electorate that got these people elected, and I think they are aware of that. I don't think they can ignore that, and I think they know that there is a large population that will be pushing, you know, pushing them to yeah. fulfill their promises of creating more, what I believe is more equitable policies. You know, I think people will be pushing them to fulfill their promises on prison reform, on gun reform, on, you know, two year free community college, on Medicare for all, maybe, um, at the very least, really um, protecting and perhaps reforming and making more robust, quote unquote, Obamacare. Yeah. Um, I think people will be pushing them for this and we, we have to. Yeah, that's really the bottom line. Keep pushing and keep voting in local. Oh, elections. and... I know Joe Biden said one of the first things he wants to do as well, you know, create national legislation that prohibits discrimination against people based on, you know, their sexual orientation or gender identity. Can you believe Isn't it that, wild that, that, that that's not, not a thing? Can you believe that? I mm, truly... Like, it's 2020. I don't... You know what? That doesn't mean shit, really, I have, but... I know, because, <laughs> like... I mean, even in 19, I was like, ever since I was a child, I, I just could never wrap my head around, like, what is the big deal if people are gay? Oh my God. I was like, really, before I even thing. came into my own queerness, I was like, I, but what's the big deal? <laughs> right. What's, what is it's the big not, deal? It's just not, it's just not. This literally has no impact on you. But uh, Joe Biden will also be bringing the first rescue dog into the oh. White House. What? What? Man, that was a, an immediate bad sign, red flag of the 45 administration. No dog in the freaking White House? Dude, Are you kidding you me? You cannot. Tr not, okay, not every president has had a dog, but they have had an animal of some kind. Okay, okay. You're like, right, some right. presidents in history had some weird animals, apparently. Um, it's a fun trivia, like there had, yeah, trivia game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's <laughs> been turkeys in the White House. There's been goats. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if they were actually allowed in the White House, but who knows? They were brought in, apparently. Okay. Um, but this guy is not even a freaking guinea pig. You can't trust a person who hates animals. I mean... Heartless. Heartless. <laughs> heartless. I mean, literally, like, it's not even like you would have to take care of it. You literally have a huge staff. Like, uh, but <sighs> no. Okay. Joe Biden, however, loves his dogs. He has two German Shepherds. 
No, I think one is maybe a husky mix. Don't hold I don't me know. to it. Yeah. Point is, he <laughs> loves his dogs. He loves them. There's actually this amazing interview I saw going around the other day where he his like first dog is like in in the room when he's being interviewed and like comes into frame and he gets distracted and he's like talking in the interview. He's like, oh my dog talks. Watch, watch this. (laughs) He's like, talk, talk, Chase, talk. And the dog starts like, you know, doggy talking, whatever they do. Like, oh my God. And he's so giddy and happy. He feels very human. Yeah. Humanity. In those moments. Uh, yeah. Like, he, he can empathize. Yeah. Or at the very least, sympathize for crying out loud. Like, these are so... These are basic things. This is, like... This reminds me of some, like, internet joke about how women are so, like... Have such a low bar for men. Like, they could do literally anything and just... Oh, my God. My man is so... <laughs> and it's, like... This is sad what but true. Are you... What? Are you really impressed by it? Like, it shouldn't be impressive that Joe can sympathize or empathize. I know, you're right. It shouldn't. It you're, really shouldn't. But you know what it is. This is such a perfect analogy. You're right, though. It's like we have, we have such low standards. And right now, yeah. Yeah, we're like, we are a low standard straight girl just trying to find a good... <laughs> Sorry, straight girl. <laughs> ...size, gender, heteronormative man who doesn't, like make us feel like we're so lucky when he takes out the trash yeah. without us having to ask, which I think is some, that is, that is something that people are, are thrilled with. Yeah. So, you know, that, that's where we're at right now. I, I think, I think it's clear that there's both what you were talking about before, both excitement, uh, relief and fondness for Joe and Kamala um, and, and, you know, a bunch of silver linings, like the first woman VP, the first woman of color. Yeah, it's true. I mean, these are inspiring things <clears throat> for, for children in our country to see. Yeah. Um, it, it, I think it, it certainly is something to be proud of that we've broken some of those barriers. Mm-hmm. That's a very important, but, you know history still exists and I think so we 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 go into it with a discerning eye yeah totally and I think the lesson is that even when the election season is over even when the election is done clearly what what this country needs is active citizen participation you know and not just during an election season yeah it's more than just voting. And I need, I need to put my money where my mouth is. Me too. I, <laughs> Me I too. want to engage in more grassroots organizing. I want to do what Stacey Abrams did. I want to help register voters who are not using their constitutional right to have their voice heard. And I want to find out why, why these people aren't voting. Why do they feel so disenfranchised that feel that their vote doesn't matter? Mm-hmm. Um, I think we really need to work on getting active within our own communities. 
Yeah, I agree. I I don't know if the the community's response to the election is indicative of the lack of uh, participation in it, but mm. I certainly didn't see much celebration or anger in mm. in little old Garfield, New Jersey. Indifference is almost more dangerous. Worse, yeah. yeah. I would agree. So, so don't be apathetic, folks. Yeah, we have to do more um, in whatever capacity we're able to. There's a lot of ways. Money. Um, I, I sent you that link about uh, you basically get assigned... I believe names. It's it's yeah. it's in Georgia. Yeah. You can like send yes, letters yes. and make calls to right. uh, folks in Georgia. Yeah. Um, to I mean, help the effort. Yeah. Nowadays, you can do virtual activism. Yeah. 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 So if you've got time and uh, telephone, internet, you can do that. I have um, also just started to in the most basic way, you know, try and find out what activist organizing groups already exist within my community. Um, and I've certainly been paying more attention to the Black Lives Matter groups within Bergen County mm-hmm. and following them. And, you know, they, they really do protests and and, you know group meetings and consistent work. So I think supporting these, you know, activist groups that already exist and supporting the minority communities, I, I think that's incredibly important to lend our allyship and our support to raise their voices. Because, mm-hmm. um, you know, my voice is not not needed. Uh, what is needed for me is my, my support to have voices that are, you know, usually pushed to the side. Uh, I feel now obligated to try and make sure that those are amplified and um and and I need to listen. Yeah. I I um this is the weirdest place I think t- I I never thought I would be saying this, but I've taken quite a liking to TikTok. <laughs> um for but I I watch a lot of like these young people Dude, TikTok who are talking like, about yeah the, the it's like, gonna be the start of the revolution socialism and communism and not in the way that everyone thinks right i think they've gotten such a bad reputation because of the way that they've been painted by <laughs> the republican party um and even some people in the democratic party too uh blaming socialism for house of representative you know losses and seats and even whatnot. though Every candidate that ran on Medicare for all got, re, yeah. got elected. There's, there's no, oh my God. I, I read a great article, um, an interview with AOC, um, where she basically is like, they were sitting ducks, like the people that lost, you know, it's true. for yeah. the way that they yeah. were not running their right. campaigns. Right. 
Um, but anyway, there are all these young people on TikTok um, who are talking about these nuances that I think are really important, like liberal and left are not not the same thing. Um, liberal is more like, all right, we'll reform, mm. whereas left is we we are getting rid of the oppressive system altogether. Mm. Mm. Um, That's an important distinction. It is, because I think a lot of people, they just get, like, conflated, I suppose, right now. Oh, absolutely. But, um, you know, and, and one of the... I, I should put his handle or something, whatever the freak it's called, for we'll God's sake. Put it in sake. the notes. Yeah, yeah, check the show notes. But he talks about how... Um, we should be accomplices, white people, mm. accomplices and, and be willing to let go or sacrifice certain things because we likely will need to sacrifice something if we're really going to, yeah. you know, abolish all, all of the oppressive uh, systems. Yeah, I think that absolutely I have been seeing a lot basically about how you must be willing to a acknowledge what privilege you have and be um really resign the fear of letting go of it yeah. which i think a lot of white people which Angela and I are mm-hmm. um have this subconscious fear of losing our status or or whatever privilege our whiteness brings to us our positions in society bring to us and yes to truly create the equitable society that we want we will need to you know give up certain Ooh, things there's, give up uh, that, you know yeah it's it's yeah well, I and I also part of me thinks that man, I, I might I might end up cutting all of this out, but this could be a podcast on its own about capitalism because I think under capitalism, is that we even we probably we well I think it's kind of the language of capitalism to be like oh well I have to give up something like I'm losing something it's competition all that stuff. I, I um, think it's worth, yeah, an argument of can can you even have a, a truly equal, equitable society under capitalism? I don't, not the way this is this is going. That's no. a whole other conversation. It is a whole other conversation, but I think, you know, I think if we if we stepped away from that way of thinking, it wouldn't even. I don't know. I don't think it would be a conversation of like oh or white people are giving up stuff for us. <laughs> it's just a snowball topic, but worth um, doing some research into those topics and that content creator <laughs> on TikTok. There's a few of them that are really great that I will <laughs> put in the show notes. <laughs> God. People love TikTok, man. It really is. uh, It's actually such a tool um, for for information and for organizing now. Yeah. It's incredible. 
It's it's pretty awesome. Yeah. I've learned so much just in the short time that I've watched come across some of these. These are the creators. things you know to be hopeful about. Yeah, you know these are the things to be hopeful about. It is the next generation. Ooh, the they're great. The bold voices that you see coming up, mm-hmm. who will push us, push the curve of change. Yeah, we I have that to be excited about. I don't want to end up. You know, I think one of the scariest thoughts is that in in four years we could end up in this, we could backtrack. And because every four years it's a new administration, absolutely. which is, absolutely. you know, great and scary yeah, right now exactly. because you don't know what will transpire in the next four years. But I do think, like Jackie said, stay hopeful, <laughs> keep organizing, keep donating, listening learning um and uh i don't know just like staying in your own lane don't don't entertain the haters just just keep keep trucking along and take care of yourself as you do it i agree angela it's it's good to be with you here in these this new time yes under this new president-elect, even given everything we discussed, I feel hopeful and excited. And at least we can celebrate. 45, <laughs> getting dragged the fuck oh, out of office. Celebrate 45. that, folks. Yep. All right, until next time, um, check us out on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Uh, subscribe, rate, review. Um, yeah. See you next time, folks. Take care. Bye.